everyone. So this is episode five with the uh, Real Talk with Claudio Mostagazzi, and I have Mr. Bram, Ryan Bram with me, and he is a CPR instructor. So as you know, um, and I don't know if you know Ryan, but I was uh, nominated to be a Woman of Impact for 2023 with the Heart Association. So we're really focusing all the month of February um, on heart health. Mm -hmm. um, and I think CPR is like one of the things that is very important that we all know. I know of uh, some people that it's like it was literally one of those life or death situations if no one around it knew how to do CPR. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So um, tell me a little bit about you. Like, so how do you became a CPR instructor? So I've been working in uh, the, the field of emergency medical services for like seven years. I've been working with the fire department here okay. locally for uh, four years now. Uh, so obviously we get all our training through that. So you meet a lot of people. Uh, and one of the people that I got training through was an instructor and I became certified as an instructor through him. And I've been teaching for right around that four year mark as well as a CPR instructor. Where do you teach? So I, I teach for Coastal Bend CPR, which is out of the National First Responder Training Complex, which is a new building that just went up over off of Saratoga. Okay. Uh, it's a little bit uh, further past Greenwood. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, just past the- Yeah, um, they got CPR and they cover EMT, fire. They're kind of covering the whole basis of first responder training as a whole. And I teach out of there. So whoever is gonna become like a EMT or like firefighters go there too? Mm -hmm. Okay. We offer uh, EMT basic classes and uh, the fire academy as well. So, and anybody can go and just sign up for the class, or do Absolutely. you have to be a specific to? No, anybody can go and sign up for the class, especially for the EMT basic and fire. You can come straight out of high school, come and take those classes, and we do the CPR training for both healthcare and non-healthcare providers. Oh, okay, cool. So I can take, so that's a good idea for my next uh, team outing. I can go and make sure that we all know CPR so that we can save each other's lives. Because <laughs> here you get like little heart attacks with, with loans, like, oh my God, the client like quit their job, boom, like I need CPR. Yep. <laughs> so, um, so how, like how busy are you guys? Like, do you see a lot of uh, response? Like, do you have classes like every day or? Yeah, so uh, like I said, I work for the fire department. So I'm on shift every third day. We work for oh, 24 okay. hours, then we have 48 so hours So you're off. currently a firefighter? I'm currently oh, a firefighter. Oh, okay. So I where, actually work tomorrow. <laughs> where, uh, what is station? I'm at station six, which is the one uh, like Weber, Saratoga area, uh -huh. where that Miller's is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I work at that one. I've um, done a lot of loans for firefighters. Yeah. Um, hence, Mr. Brown. I know that James Brown, I know he retired. Yes. Uh, Captain James Brown. <laughs> um, and then I did a loan for um, Eric Tello, Teo. I know him. I did the loan for him. Chad Morgan, the pink <laughs> truck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did a loan for him too. Oh, I have helped a lot of firefighters out there. If I forgot to mention anybody i i know i had because i have done a lot of loans yeah. for them well that's There's a cool. lot of us we were just talking about how he wanted to refinance and i'm like no don't refinance just yet rates are yeah, high i saw that right now is not a good time yeah <laughs> so um how much are the classes so it does depend on if you are doing the healthcare versus non-healthcare uh 
portion of it. Uh, Non-healthcare, we charge 35 for it. Uh, healthcare oh. is 50 oh, for, okay. the, for the CPR. So it's, it's one hour? Roughly an hour and a half, sometimes pushing two hours, depending on questions and all that kind of stuff. But usually we keep it right around an hour and, and a half. And do you get like a certificate or something stating? You do. However, they do it all through email now because everything's about technology. Um, so it is through the email and it gives you actually like a wall certificate if you want to print it out and put it on your uh, wall. But you right get there. that wallet one as well that you can print out and just keep in your wallet. So how does it work? Like, so let's say you are in a restaurant um, and somebody, you know, needs CPR. Like, I mean, are you obligated? I mean, how does that? Because I know, like, for example, doctors, they say, oh, you, they have to say, like, yeah, hey, I'm a doctor. Yeah. So how and does it work when you're certification? People, I, I do get asked that question a lot because people are always worried about that legal aspect mm -hmm. of it. And thankfully, what we have is this thing called the Good Samaritan Law. And basically what that is, is it just means as long as you're acting as any good, normal person would with good intentions, you're covered, right? Okay. If you step in and it doesn't work out for this person, you don't have to worry about any legal liability, right? Just having that training and everything, you're, you're covered under that good Samaritan law. Okay. So as long as you, okay. So how, um, I guess how, um, is there any way that you can cause more, like that it can go more the worst way than actually like, let, let, let's say somebody needs CPR and I say, oh, let me help. And instead of helping, can I make it worse? Uh, I mean, obviously there's always ways to make a situation worse, worse but <laughs> just by doing CPR, you're really not gonna do anything too bad. Uh, Cause something I always like to teach in my class too because of course they always talk about you know checking for pulse and breathing and all that stuff. I always like to add, because stress of the situation can make it hard to tell sometimes, right? right. So I always like to add, unless you're 100% sure that they don't need CPR, we should just be doing it anyways. Because they've done studies of basically what'll happen to this guy if we do chest compressions on him when they didn't actually need, need them. them. And what they found is that they'll be fine. The worst you'll cause is they'll wake up with a sore chest right from pushing on it that hard but if they were living before and you did the chest compressions you're not going to change that right but if you didn't do it and they actually do didn't need it yeah then we are making the situation worse right, right? so unless we're 100 percent sure i always like to teach that just do it right okay. better to err on the side of caution right because right? what do we do before that we call for help so no, we'll do that until they get there and then once the fire department gets there We'll be able to make a further determination so you're just really supplies. holding the situation just while the actual experts come in exactly yeah so how do you know um if somebody needs cpr so the easiest thing like obviously if you're just walking around and someone collapses right that's one indicator but when we actually go up to this person very simply you can just go down you want to put your ear close to their mouth and you're gonna look at their chest and try and listen for any breathing. And if you don't hear or see anything, chances are they need CPR, Okay. right? So that's when we would wanna do it. And like I said, it can be hard to tell because there's some situations where maybe they're just not breathing very good. So it's just hard to tell. So again, that's when it goes back to, unless you're hundred percent sure they don't need it, just do it. Then just do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, so, okay. I ha I'm just curious. So mm -hmm. what has been the most like, you know, 
have you had any experiences where you're like, oh my God, I'm like so glad that I did that or that you personally, that you were like in the spot and you're like, oh, okay, I, you know, I literally helped them. Yeah, we definitely have some like that. And a lot of it is with like heart attacks and stuff like that, where we prevent it from even getting to this point. Those are the ones where I'm always really like, we stepped in and we did a good thing. Right? Okay. When they're calling at three o'clock in the morning because they are having all of a sudden waking up from chest pain, and we're able to quickly get them to the hospital, and the before hospital before they even have quickly, before they even get to this point. And then there are some where we've had it get to this point. Uh, sometime last year, we actually had a uh, survivor come by our station just to like drop off some cookies to tell us like thank you for mm. doing that for them, uh, and you know. The, often we don't get to see that stuff. So when someone does come by and tell us that we did something like that and actually like help them make a difference, that always makes us that feel really good, good, obviously. Because normally we don't get a follow-up. So it's really nice when we do get a follow-up like that, especially from the person themselves. You know, my I always like to tell this story because it's just a funny story. My uh, great-grandma, rest in peace. Um, oh my God, that lady, she lived by herself like until the day she died, literally. And she got like probably like a month before, month and a half before, two months, she got the switch like where he would just press it mm -hmm. and then the fire department will come. And um, and we would laugh because I'm like, Grandma, you can't be calling just uh, the cute firefighters will come. And she's like, but they come really fast. And I'm like, yes, Grandma, but it has to be an emergency. I'm like, this is like literally like scary that she had that thing like because she's like, Oh, and then the firefighter, I'm like, yes, you're like having a lot of fun with that thing and the firefighter is showing <laughs> up right away. Um, okay, so tell me how how basic can you explain to us? So he brought the dummy right here and he said that this is really what they use. Um, tell me a little bit about what I was asking about COVID and the mouth to mouth. Yeah, so yeah, this is one from our classroom. So it's one yeah. that actually gets used there. Um, so a big push that they've had with CPR probably in like the last 10 years, it, uh, a big thing with it is just trying to like make it easier for people to do. Cause obviously the more people trained, the more likely as people are to do it. And overall we get better outcomes, right? Right. Uh, so one of the things that they did to lean in that direction was they kind of started to move away a little bit from that mouth to mouth. And that did happen before COVID, but since COVID obviously that stuck to a little bit more because whether it's COVID or any other diseases, putting our mouth directly on someone else's it's, is a great way to transmit diseases. Right. right? So they kind of started to step out from that because they noticed that people weren't wanting to do CPR. Because, because you don't want to risk. That, right. Because right? they don't want to take that risk. So they kind of started going away from it and going to uh, the hands-only CPR that they talk a lot about now. Like when you see the kiosks and stuff, that's mm -hmm. what they teach. Yeah. Um, and that's just to kind of take away that that fear, that risk of getting anything and just focus on the chest compressions. And that wasn't just a, hey, people are scared of it. Let's take it away. They put research behind it, too. To make sure that yeah, they could to make do sure it. this was something that was a good thing. And and what they found is that even once someone stops breathing, there's still oxygen left in the blood. Right. Okay. And that's what we want to move. We want to move that oxygen. So that's you what don't the chest necessarily need to doing. put more air. in. Yeah. All our breaths do is just introduce new air but they still have some in there and they got more than enough to last until the help gets there so right. that's why they have that heavy push on the hands only cpr because there's oxygen in there we just want to keep it moving most oh, importantly to the I brain. See. okay that makes so that's sense. why they've gone to the hands only cpr and in terms of 
keeping it simple, if all you can do is just the chest compressions until help gets there, you are absolutely making a better situation for this person. I see. And speaking from my experience with the fire department, like I said, we make these calls on a more regular basis than the average person sees. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, more often than not, people don't do anything before we get there. So that's why we really have a push on trying to make it as easy and simple as possible because the more people that can do it, before we get there, the better chance this of the person, person has, to survive. Right? Hmm, that's very interesting that you meant that you say that. So, um, so how do you start? So let's say you're gonna teach me. So the first thing, of course, is trying to recognize the well, need no, for the CPR. first thing is I'm gonna get certified with this class. I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Am I gonna get something? Because I'm gonna pay attention, Ryan. So, <laughs> no, I'm just I kidding. Think we can arrange something. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing is obviously recognizing the need for CPR. And like I said, whether it's someone collapsing or maybe you're walking into a room and you're just finding them laying on bed, mm -hmm. just not moving or something like that, run up quickly, see if they're breathing, do that check, like I said. And if they're not breathing, we're going to be doing CPR or, like I said, unless you're 100% sure they don't need they it. They don't need it. Do okay. It anyways. And then we do want to try and get them on a hard flat surface when we go to push because if you're on the bed and pushing both of you are just going to be bouncing up and down so and it's, it's not, not going to do anything right okay so mainly that means the floor right okay. whether it's them collapsing and falling on the floor us moving them off the bed onto the floor something like we want to try and get them on the floor so we have so that hard flat be surface. gentle to don't like just push them out of the bed because yeah. then like you break something else because you're like okay let's go ryan said to put you on the yeah. floor and the important yeah. thing is not to hurt yourself in right. that either because if you hurt yourself too. then yeah. maybe you can't do cpr anymore and that's a worse situation right. right yeah so i mean if it's that bad of a situation you have to leave them in bed you can get away with it but we do prefer that hard the flat floor surface, okay right? that's why we try and get them there and then it's just trying to make sure our hands are in the right spot now the good like general landmark that they give is center of the sternum between the nipple line okay. and we want to make sure we're using that heel of our palm so we want to put the heel of our palm directly over that sternum in between the nipple line now, okay. that's a good like i said general landmark for most people but really what we're trying to make sure we're avoiding is this bottom part of the sternum here known as the xiphoid process if you don't need to remember it's called that it's that extra little bit at the bottom that's not connected to any of the ribs. And we and you do can, all have it. You can feel it. And you can feel it. And the reason we're avoiding this is because if we do start pushing on it with our chest compressions, we actually run the risk of causing it to break off. And then you have this tiny little bone fragment that's moving around in there that can absolutely start cutting some stuff up while oh. we're moving their chest around, right? And that can make the situation worse. So the easy way to avoid that, and this gets your hand in a good spot, for chest compressions on anybody is you'll just run your finger down their sternum find the bottom of it go two finger widths from the bottom and that's and where right you're gonna that, start right and then this hand is in a perfect spot for chest compressions and like i said we want that heel of the palm right there over the sternum in that spot <clears throat> and then from there it'll be easier if i stand sorry yeah and then from there uh it's making you got this hand in place mm -hmm. and then you just want to interlace the fingers and lift up and the only reason we're really doing that is because we're not actually trying to move the entire chest up and down with our compressions. It's just in the middle. We really just want to move that sternum up and down. That's what makes our chest compressions effective, moving that. So we're really just kind of lifting up to make sure all we're touching is just the sternum, right? So then from there, you just need to make sure that you're locking your elbows because what that'll do it, it, is it'll help us uh, 
not do the Grey's Anatomy style chest compressions <laughs> that we're so familiar with. Oh, you're right? telling me that those are not real? <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but those are movie chest Man, compressions. Man, yes. I cannot believe that. Yeah, they're not uh, going to be quite as effective. So we want to keep the elbows locked. Okay. And then we want to, and this will be easier when they're on the floor, but we want to try and get directly over them, like we're leaning directly over them. So much so to where if we moved our hands out of the way, we would fall chest to chest with them. Okay. Right? Directly over them. And then with everything in place, we bend at our waist, and we're just going to let our upper body weight help us do the chest compressions because we're trying to move it a good distance, right? So we're going to let our body weight just help us accomplish that. So it's a full body up and down. Now, you're touching bones in there. You're not, yes. Can you break them? So that is a common thing that gets talked about with CPR, breaking ribs. Now, you aren't technically breaking any ribs. So you're not breaking ribs like you would think of breaking an arm, right? Mm -hmm. You're not fracturing them like way out here. What you will do is you'll cause the sternum to separate from the ribs. And those are joints, like any other joint in the body. So it's more like dislocating the sternum. Now, why people say it's breaking ribs is because it's something you hear and it is something you feel when you're the one initiating the CPR. Oh, wow. Right? So it's something to be aware of. But like I said, it's not causing them significant harm if you're doing that. And if that. they're not breathing, that's probably yeah. going to, it's better to have that than not, not to breathe. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And the healing process for that anyways is literally just time. They're not okay. gonna do anything to actively treat it. Right. They just work their way back and then they're fine after okay. a while. Okay. Right. That's how why. how hard do you go? So it takes a pretty significant amount of force because we're aiming to move their chest two to two point four inches. Oh, so and wow. that's a pretty good distance, yeah. right? So you're really leaning your body weight into them. Uh, and so I always just say literally just push as hard as you can because that'll get you to those two to 2.4 inches. So, okay, so now I'm gonna ask the stupid questions because I know I'm gonna sound a little bit stupid, but oh well. Um, so basically what you're trying to do is pump the heart. Correct, Okay, yes. so you're like pushing so that pretty much what Grace Anatomy says, like <laughs> do it with your hands and then they open, like start doing that. Mm -hmm. to the, so yeah. that's what you're trying to do when you're doing that is pumping the heart. Correct. So that the blood and that's keeping all that blood okay, and oxygen still going. and everything moving. Okay. Yeah. Now, is there a specific pace? There is a specific pace we're aiming for, and it's 100 to 120 beats per minute. That's where they teach that song, "Staying Alive." Right. Okay. You can sing that while you're going. Get you to at least 100 beats per minute. It's staying alive. <sighs> I need to hear that because I don't know which one is <laughs> it. But okay. Yeah. Uh, and there's multiple song. Another song that fits in that category that most people know. Baby Shark. That actually works too. Really? Yes, it fits into baby that 100 to 120 shark, baby shark, baby shark. Mm -hmm. And it hmm. gets you there. Uh, and there's actually a lot of songs that fit into that, but those are just like the most the ones that, ones that people tend to know. Now, something I always like to teach too, and this is uh, more my class specifically than all classes, but I always like to mention the fact that Th those numbers exist, right? We have the 100 to 120 beats per minute, as well as the 2 to 2.4 inches of depth. Uh, and those numbers are obviously good to know because there's research behind those numbers. They right. exist for a reason, right? But I always like to try and remind people of the fact that, again, this is a very stressful situation, right? Especially if this is a family member or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, our brain stops working as good in situations like that. Right, because right? you're so, under stress, so yeah. So it makes it a little bit harder to recall those numbers. So something I always say to make it as easy as possible to remember is instead of trying to remember all those numbers or any songs or anything like that, 
if you just keep repeating to yourself to push hard and push fast, that gets you into an effective range. And what I mean by that is when you're there, you're literally just repeating, push hard, push fast, push hard, push fast, push hard, push fast. As fast as you can say it, do your compressions, and it gets you into that effective range for both the speed and the depth. And it's just easier to remember than a bunch of numbers, right? I, well, or the song. I mean, I'm telling you, if, if, if I have to give you CPR and I have to remember a song, forget it. You, like, I'll, I'll make sure that I'll go to your funeral because it will be my <laughs> fault, like, yeah. literally. That's I mean, why I, I like to point out that because you're yeah. literally just repeating what you know you're supposed to be doing, which is push hard and push fast. Okay. Right? Now, how long? So if we're doing the hands-only CPR, because if we you're, are gonna keep going. again, if you're with me, I might be like, okay, let me call it. <laughs> <laughs> I watch Chris and I don't mean so much. I'm sorry. This is not a fun stuff. This is serious stuff. I'm just saying. Uh, but okay, so how long do you do it? So for? if we're doing the hands only CPR, uh, which will be most of the situations, right? If what we're doing is the hands only CPR, how they teach it is we're actually gonna do it without stopping until the help gets there or that AED, someone finally brings that, right? Oh, Otherwise, wow. we're not stopping. Now, if you do have the luxury of having other people with you that are trained and can do chest compressions as well. Switch or whatever. Uh, switch when you start getting yeah. tired because we really want to keep those chest compressions as effective as possible. So, you know, hitting the numbers that we're supposed to aim right, for. Right, right, right. So if you start slowing down or getting too shallow, then we should be switching off if you have other people with you. If you by yourself, you're just going to have to keep going and try and basically muscle through it until the help gets there. Really. How long does it usually take for a firefighter to show up? So in Corpus, I can speak on us, here in the city, uh, it usually takes our department in, uh, around five minutes to get there for someone okay. to get there. So well, not that, very long. Not that yeah. long. Uh, in, that, in most circumstances, it'd be about five minutes. If not the ambulance, at least a fire truck, but they're all just as trained as everybody else, so they'll be able to take over when they get there. Now, um, what about, okay, so, this is the misconception that, you know, I think year, years and years go by and then we keep thinking, you know, heart issues or heart attacks like older people, you know, like the old man or whatever, without thinking that, you know, it is something that happens, you know, to young people, to kids, to, you know, girls, women, and all of the above. So anytime it. And anywhere, right. Um, So what is the difference, say, for kids? So with kids, in general, there's really not that much difference, uh, especially in terms of the hands-only CPR. They're not breathing and all that. We're still going to be doing it. Uh, Now, still want the hard, flat surface. The difference with the chest compressions is they say we can use one hand on a kid. And that's just because their chest is smaller and less developed. Right, right, right. So it doesn't take us as much effort to push their chest an appropriate amount. So we can get away with the one hand. With right? one. Uh, now, the depth is also going to change for kids. Okay. Because, again, they're smaller, right? So they also don't give us an exact measurement for kids. And that's because they come in a wide variety of sizes. Right. right? One inch on a one-year-old is very different from one inch on a three-year-old. Right. So instead of an exact measurement, they tell us to aim for a third the depth of the chest. Now, what does that mean? Basically means if you're looking at them from the side, you're gonna, from the top of their chest to their back, you're splitting it into thirds and you wanna move it that first third of the way Do you wanna go through, huh? That's what that means. And again, I always like to point out, pretty hard to tell in the moment, right? So if you can keep repeating to yourself to push hard and push fast, it gets you into an effective You're good, you're in a good time spot. What about pregnant women? 
So it doesn't change at all on pregnant women. Same. We treat the chest compressions exactly the same way. Uh, the, the only you know, added thought to it is you're not all, only helping mom, you're helping baby, you're right? There's two lives there right. now. So we definitely want to be given our best effort in that case if we can and get help there as fast as we can. To do it, right. Uh, and then um, babies, babies, because I have seen those, those like with just the finger. Or is that that's not correct. a thing? No, that's that just is a, a thing, grace yeah. anatomy. For babies, again, it's because of how small they are compared yeah. to the other age groups. One hand covers way too much of their chest. Right. So they show the two fingers. Uh, and it's really front two, middle two, honestly. Whichever's most comfortable for you doesn't matter. Really. just go like that. But two fingers, same thing, center of the sternum between the nipple line. And we're just like with kids, aiming for that third, the depth of the chest. And it's the same speed, 100 to 120 beats per minute. That doesn't change for any of the Any size yeah. or any That's exactly age. the same across the board. Okay. It's just that depth that kind of changes. So um, this is very interesting, actually. I'm going to go and have, I'm going to go and take Alexa, my daughter, to go and take, we need to go and take the, the class. Um, so you said it's $50? For the healthcare card. For, for the healthcare card. it's 35 And it's 35 for? Just a regular Yeah, person. for a regular CPR okay. non Okay, how many people do you have in the class? Uh, it ranges widely. I've done as small as like five people. I've done as big as like 30. Okay. Uh, it just depends on the day. Usually weekends are a little bit busier because that's when most people are free. Want right? to do it? But we uh, pretty much have a class every day. I'm not on shift because I'm the primary instructor. Uh, so... Like tomorrow, I'm on shift, so no, no tomorrow. But the two days after that, there will be classes. And we actually have a website you can go to that pulls up the calendar that shows all of our upcoming class days for people to sign up on. You need to give us that um, that link so that we can put it when we put the podcast okay. up. Can um, we can put that link. And then this is what I'm going to do. So for the month of February, mm -hmm. I'm going to donate 10 classes. Oh, Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to cool. donate the 10 classes. You guys don't have to pay him. I'm going to pay him, but you guys are going to have to give the $35 to the American Heart Association. <laughs> so there's, there's a, there's a, a, a what, um, hitch? No, there's a, I, the word just went, a pitch. <laughs> A sales pitch to it yeah there's a yeah that <laughs> you're it gonna works. still learn CPR <laughs> on me 10 people will get with you I'll see who wants to sign up um, I think it's very important I, I really do think that it's very important it's like that guy yeah. on the uh, the NFL player mm -hmm. I mean like mm -hmm. I feel like Literally if they would have know. not had done mm -hmm. the CPR there on the ground Right, yeah, and that's a big thing with it. The earlier we do it, the better chance we're creating for this person to survive. To survive, okay, yeah. So, uh, very important. At uh, what number is there a number that they can call if they want an actual information that you want to give them? Yes, uh, they can call the our main office at the National First Responder Training Complex. That number is three six one two nine nine fifty two hundred. So three six one two nine nine five two zero two nine nine fifty two hundred. Call if you guys have any questions or if you want to schedule that. Like I said, I'm gonna donate ten classes. All you have to do is donate to the American Heart Association, and um, and they'll have your name down there, and uh, you can go and take the class. 
I know for for a fact home source mortgage we're gonna go and do that I mean that's gonna be my my um, outing my office outing we we'll always do <laughs> fun stuff with that I really appreciate you coming and making uh, sure and explaining us all how it works and I think I feel better with the I've always I have issues with that whole I always had issues with the whole mouth to mouth yeah I'm like mm, I don't know if I want to do that so yeah. these actually that's a I think I can consensus. yeah I can <laughs> I can I can do that so if you guys have any questions check the calendar I think this is very important for us to know and um, and not to forget so tell them three things that they should do to be healthy heart health Obviously, uh, trying to maintain some kind of exercise is good, and it doesn't necessarily have to be heavy lifting weights or anything like that. Getting up and walking 30 minutes to an hour a day is enough to you know, get your heart pumping, get your blood moving. Uh, improving our diets is another big one. Uh, trying to eat less greasy and fatty foods because that just clogs up all the pipes. Right? <laughs> and then um, drinking plenty of fluids. You want to and make that sure does not he hydrated. does not mean alcohol no, he means water, actually water, water so <laughs> water is what we want because if you said that then they're gonna quote you well ryan said to eat yeah. to drink a lot of they teach uh, us in school our bodies 70 percent water water 70 percent alcohol <laughs> so we want water there you go so you got it there walk eat well and drink a lot of water not alcohol. thank you so much ryan again for me bye guys